This is the LexisNexis New York Legal News Podcast. Litigation news stories from New York courts as reported in recent issues of LexisNexis Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. ExxonMobil Corporation has said it has reached a $17.5 million settlement with plaintiffs in 50 actions alleging MTBE contamination in their water supplies in the multi-district litigation court based in New York. ExxonMobil and six related entities moved for determination of good faith settlement in the Southern District of New York. The proposed settlement will resolve 50 actions originally filed in 16 states before being transferred to the MDL court. Under the agreement, the defendants agreed to pay $17.5 million and, quote, participate under certain defined circumstances in the future treatment of eligible wells in the event of certain triggering events, end of quote. The settlement follows a $105 million jury verdict against ExxonMobil in a New York MTBE case on October 19th. The state of New York is not entitled to collect $15 million from a tobacco company that allegedly violated a 1998 consent decree's prohibition on the use of cartoons in advertising in connection with the 2007 magazine spread. The attorneys general of eight states, including New York, filed complaints or motions against R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company after the ad in question appeared in a 2007 issue of Rolling Stone magazine. Arguing the ad violated a consent decree related to the master settlement agreement, the attorneys general requested fines of $100 for each magazine distributed within their state's borders, as well as $100 combined for each hit on the Camel website. The day after the suits were filed, RJR announced it had voluntarily stopped the promotion. Nevertheless, the lawsuits proceeded. New York County Supreme Court Justice Barbara Kapnick held that although the state may eventually be awarded some form of compensation, it is not entitled to the monetary sanctions it seeks. The judge agreed with RJR that the state is seeking punitive sanctions in violation of New York contempt law by requesting non-compensatory monetary fines that may be awarded only in the context of a criminal contempt proceeding. Justice Kapnick directed the parties to appear for a December 9th hearing to discuss the possibility of settlement and, if necessary, schedule the evidentiary hearing to determine whether RJR violated the consent decree. Applying Pennsylvania law, the New York Court of Appeals ruled October 20th that prior knowledge exclusions bar any duty to indemnify on the part of excess insurers with regard to professional malpractice actions against a law firm and one of its attorneys. Student Finance Corporation, or SFC, and its principal, Andrew Yao, were clients of the law firm of Pepper Hamilton. SFC financed loans to students in trade schools. It then pooled the loans into certificates or securities that it sold to investors using private placement memoranda prepared by Pepper Hamilton. SFC allegedly made inaccurate representations of its default rates and allegedly made false representations to investors that student loans in its securitized loan pool were not more than 90 days overdue and in default, when significant numbers of them were in default. SFC was eventually forced into bankruptcy, and the bankruptcy trustee contacted Pepper Hamilton to request that it enter into a tolling agreement while he consider whether to bring any claims against the law firm. 
Pepper Hamilton then notified its primary professional liability insurer and excess insurers of the potential claim. Excess carrier executive risk indemnity company sued the firm, the attorney, and the primary insurer. A trial court ruled for the excess insurers, finding that the prior knowledge exclusion applied because the policyholders were aware in 2002 of facts that could lead a reasonable attorney to anticipate litigation arising from its representation of SFC. However, the First Department New York Appellate Division reversed, determining the justice's application of the prior knowledge exclusion was too broad. But the state high court agreed with the trial justice that the prior knowledge exclusion precludes any duty to indemnify the underlying claims on the part of the excess insurers. The Court of Appeals concluded the attorney subjectively believed at least one month before the submission of one of the law firm's insurance applications that they could be subject to a lawsuit from their representation of SFC. The Third Department Supreme Court Appellate Division has held that a man diagnosed with pleural airway disease from working with asbestos is entitled to workers' compensation benefits from the insurer whose policy was effective on the date he was diagnosed with the disease, not from the insurer whose policy was effective on the date of his last exposure to the condition that caused the disease. The appellate panel explained that when a policy is in place on the date of a claimant's disablement, that carrier is responsible for the payment of the claimant's workers' compensation award, even though it was not in place at the time the claimant was last exposed to the condition that brought on his or her disablement. A jury in Buffalo in October returned what is believed to be the first ever asbestos verdict against Fisher Controls and the first punitive damages award in an asbestos case in the state in more than 20 years. Ronald Drabchik's estate filed suit in the Erie County Supreme Court against a number of companies alleging their conduct exposed him to asbestos, causing him to develop mesothelioma, of which he eventually died. The estate claimed Drabchik was exposed while employed at Hooker Chemical in Buffalo. The estate alleged that, among other exposures while at the facility, Ronald worked repairing valves sold by Fisher Controls, a subsidiary of Emerson Electric Company, from 1970 until 1988. At trial, only the claims against Fisher Controls remained. Following a six-week trial, the jury awarded Drabchik's estate $1.5 million in damages and $750,000 in punitive damages. The jury found that Fisher Controls acted negligently in failing to warn Drabchik of the dangers involved with the use of its valves. The jury apportioned 5% of the liability for his disease on Fisher Controls. However, a source said the jury also found that Fisher Controls acted with reckless disregard, making it liable for the entire verdict minus set-offs for settlements. A New York justice on October 26th acquitted three former executives of Marsh Incorporated of criminal charges in a bid-rigging and price-fixing scheme in which they were accused of colluding to steer clients to favored insurance companies. The three were among eight former Marsh executives indicted in September 2005 as part of a price-fixing probe conducted by former New York Attorney General Elliot Spitzer. Spitzer accused the executives of colluding with insurers such as American International Group, Zurich Financial Services, and Liberty International Insurance Company to rig the excess casualty insurance market. A New York federal judge on October 28th granted Match.com's motion to transfer a consumer fraud class action to Texas federal court. Southern District of New York Judge Naomi Rice Buckwald 
found the forum selection clause in Match.com's user agreement to be, quote, reasonably communicated and mandatory. In June, a four-count putative class action complaint was filed against Match.com, accusing it of deceptive trade practices, fraud, negligent misrepresentation, and other counts. Members alleged Match.com made it difficult to tell which Match.com profiles were for subscribers who had full access to all Match.com services, and which were for non-subscribers who were unable to read or respond to emails from other Match.com customers. The action alleged Match.com inflated its reported subscription base to attract new customers, without revealing that many of these customers were inactive or non-subscribers. Judge Buckwall transferred the action to the Northern District of Texas, which Match.com had suggested as an alternative form of relief in a motion to dismiss. A group of record labels and music publishing companies filed a second amended complaint in late October, rejoining the founder and chief executive officer of MP3.com to their copyright complaint against the company that runs the website and adding a claim for infringement of public display rights. The amended complaint came on the heels of a mid-October ruling by Southern District of New York Judge William H. Pauley III, in which he allowed the 29 publishing and recording plaintiffs under the EMI Music Publishing umbrella to rejoin Michael Robertson to the complaint and add certain allegations and the display claim. In the original November 2007 complaint, 14 EMI affiliates sued MP3 and Robertson for infringement of their reproduction, distribution, and public performance rights and induced vicarious and contributory copyright infringement. EMI claimed that MP3.com and its sister site, Sideload.com, act as integrated music services, providing a means for its users to search for particular songs or artists on the computers of other users. The Lexus One Community, where individual attorneys are going for free case law, the Lexus Web Search Engine, free forms, and Mealy's Online. Get access to Lexus.com through research packages for the time you need without signing a long-term contract. Check out Emerging Issues Analysis, News, Blogs, The Download Center, the LexisNexis Store, and more. Lexus One, the online community and research resource for individual attorneys. www.lexusone.com For further information on these and other New York cases, visit LexisNexis.com slash or TotalLitigator.com. LexisNexis Legal News New York is written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis New York Legal News Podcast, copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.